minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello and happy Father's Day sports fans. A special shout out to Pop Stargell, Cool Papa Bell, Evgeny Dadinoff, Bob Papa, Phil Rivers, Greg Papa, Greg Popovich, Pop Warner, Sean Kemp, and in fact, the man in the mirror, who's a more prolific lover than Dave Damashek. Anywho, welcome to Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. And now let's say hello to another Papa that we know. We hold him uh, near and dear. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? So much sports to kibitz about. Right oh, now. it's crazy. I mean, crazy. Waking up to crazy news every day. Uh, just, you know, earth-shattering injuries in the NBA. Uh, baseball's fixed, apparently. Uh, every every No pitcher can throw a breaking ball without cheating. It's, uh, it's nuts. Hockey, it makes no difference if you have any talent on your roster whatsoever. Makes note, every game's a coin flip. Um, but I got to say, you know, uh, to our ardent fans out there uh, trying to listen, I, I do want to apologize for the shitty audio, which I think is my fault, although I have no idea how any of these things in front of me work. Um, but my hope is, my prayer is that my audio dropped out while I was giving my fucking terrible picks last week. Because I maybe maybe technology saved our listeners thousands of dollars while I was throwing out my picks. I I felt so smart when the when the Nets barely tried in game three against the Bucks and then were up eleven immediately in the game where I was like, they're definitely gonna win game four. No doubt about it. Uh, here we go. This is going to be a 30-point blowout. Oh, no. Ky- Kyrie's lying in a heap. Uh, what? Oh, th- that that bet's lost. My my Domingo Herman bet was even worse. He got shelled. Um, so apologies both for the quality of the sound and the terrible quality of the prognostications. Um, Hopefully I'm coming through loud and clear and you can fade me this week because I'm getting fucking murdered. I have to tell you, I am getting crushed. Like, I mean, I don't like that sixer result. I I don't really know, you know, and obviously I don't bet more than I can afford to lose. Another great lesson. This is going to be a Gamblers Anonymous episode brought to you by FanDuel. (laughs) (laughs) No gamble brought to you by FanDuel. But that fucking Sixers result, when you're watching millionaires barely trying, like when you're watching grown men pucker, like that choke, there are games where big leads get blown, but you just had bad puck luck or the the ball wouldn't stay in. The Sixers were visibly choking. Like Tobias Harris wanted to be in witness protection. He did not want the ball. He didn't want to be on the court. Ben Simmons is terrified of getting fouled. Like at any point, if I touch the ball, I might get fouled, which just left it to their to their guy. And, you know, Embiid, after going over 12 in the second half uh, of the previous game, his final two minutes were spectacular in terms of the, the choke quotient. And that sixer result, I mean, the process might be over. 
Like literally that, that, that process. <laughs> I mean, was, if they win a title this year somehow, which is certainly plausible with uh, the war of attrition that continues in the NBA playoffs now, who knows? Maybe if they can just stay a little bit healthier than everybody else, they still win it. Even if they do win the 2021 NBA title, the process is is a failure. One title is not uh, does not uh, warrant the decade that preceded it. But listen, speaking of what precedes, we don't need the bellyache and lament stuff in the rearview mirror. We have more than enough to cl- c- complain about this upcoming weekend. And uh, and let's do a little bit of that right now here on this Father's Day. Kevin Hench. And yeah, you, you, you mentioned the Sixers. And we keep our focus on all things Northeast sports. And... I don't. Is there a good story going right now? If you're a Metropolitans fan, get in touch with your uh, with your old pal cousin Sal. See how he feels about Jacob Degrom. That was a glorious story, a little undercovered, like we talked about last week, and we've been talking about on extra points this week. I mean, historic in in, in raw numbers. 0.55 ERA at this point for this guy. He is now two. Uh, he's now driven in two more runs over the course of the season than he's allowed. It really is crazy. I do point out, I do asterisk it ever so slightly to play curmudgeon for everybody out there. The greatest single pitching season in the modern era, which starts, I guess, at around 45, 47. I'm not sure, Hench, you're a better baseball historian than I. I don't know what counts as the modern era. But um, is Pedro Martinez in the year 2000 because he was two earned runs better in ERA than Roger Clemens, who was second in American League AL in the year 2000. This year, everybody's doing well, thanks in part to Spider Tech. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Sixers collapse. Let's talk about the ugliness in the NBA, whether or not we have to asterisk this entire NBA postseason because of all these injuries. We talked about football on the earlier podcast this week with our pal Jeff Schwartz. We also debated, I mean, grown men wearing flip-flops not cool i say we also debated what goes on your hot pastrami go back and listen to that but also if you're looking for long plays in pro football we uh we chopped up the best plays right now in the afc east the afc north and the nfc east go back and listen to that one but hench you mentioned it there the 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 the, the, there's something about the quality of that fourth quarter with the sixers that it it's I, I I had a little something on it. I did same game parlay it. Tobias Harris four points. I thought he he had not his lowest point total these this postseason was nineteen. He scores four. You want to talk about a weird statistic out there, Jacob Degrom or otherwise? Only two Sixers scored baskets in the final twenty four minutes of an NBA game. The the biggest game of the season bizarre I mean I don't know what you call it other than a choke but if you kind of watch that game versus the Bucks game you say Tobias Harris didn't want the ball it's a little bit worse when you're when your star star the two-time MVP seems allergic to the ball in big spots and that's what Giannis was on Wednesday that was that was even worse as far as I'm concerned um, well worse worse than allergic to the ball he it's it's tied. I think it's a minute 45 left. It's tied. He gets the ball on the low block. ISO on James Harden, who, by the way, is is moving around like it's a shuffleboard tournament. Like the guy. Roethlisberger. He moves like Roethlisberger. Right. He could not be moving with less urgency. So you need to go quick, drop step, and dunk on that fucking guy. 
Giannis is like Ben Simmons is so terrified of getting fouled, right? Because if he drops that right. on James Harden, he knows he's going to get wrapped up. So what does Giannis do? He shoots a shot he's not good at. Like Joel Embiid makes those turnaround baseline jumpers. Giannis settles immediately, shoots a fadeaway brick, colossal brick, so that he doesn't have to go to the foul line and shoot two bricks. This way I can only shoot one brick. You know, I know, yeah, but so that's right. But who's that on? Who, that is a, doesn't he? I said to to our pal Nick Costas about exactly this. Isn't that? I know it's not ideal for your superstar and for, like I say, uh, a league MVP to not have the ability. You know, I mean, but you know what? That was Shaq Fu. That was uh, the premise of those Lakers teams. All right, you just, hey, guess what? You can't give it to the best, but the most dominant player in the world in the final few minutes of a game because we know what his limitation is. Giannis seems to know it. I could I could try to, you know, for most of the game, I would devastate one-legged uh, James Harden here. I would I would embarrass the the peg-leg guy, and, and, and I would take him to the goal. But he knows Harden's going to foul him in that spot. Doesn't Coach Bud need to know that as well and kick the ball? It's not like they're bereft of scores on the team. Give it to Middleton or, or Holiday to make it go. That's I mean, that's the resolution as far as I'm concerned. Do you have a pick on tonight on how this goes? I, I mean, the resiliency of professional athletes along with their superhuman physical traits, chicken or the egg, which informs the other, but they have an ability to move on, it seems, more often than not. That versus if if I did something in a big spot like that, I would be so ashamed. I would I would weep, and then I would say for the next like five years, like don't give me the ball. We already know what happened. Somehow these guys are able to overcome those things. I don't know though, man. The Bucks going out onto their home floor that can quickly, as I always say, can become disadvantageous. If you if if, if the home crowd's looking at Giannis struggling or otherwise, that Boo Birds even in friendly Wisconsin might come out there. What's your what, what do you say about this Nets game? And then we'll get into our best bets for the week. Uh, well, I, I I think it's a stay away, obviously, because you just you have no idea what is gonna transpire on the Nets side of the court. You know, you kind of know what the Bucks are going to give you. Um, but the Nets knew they couldn't lose game five. And they played, you know, Durant going the distance. Harden having an injury that requires him to play 46 minutes because if he sits down for a second, he'll lock up and be hospitalized. Like, it's, it was such a bizarre game. But – I, I feel like the Nets know they can lose this game. They know they can lose I this agree, game. which is why they and shouldn't it, even play him. The, the number is now, by the way, Bucks are laying five and a half total on it is uh, again a stay away, but if yeah. if I, I would I would take I would take the Bucks because I think uh Nash, you know, Nash was lamenting the, the minutes that Durant played. He knew he had to, but like because he doesn't have to tonight, I think uh, Durant gets some rest, and if it's and if it's ten, you know, with with six minutes left, uh, the Nets might fold up tent and uh, look to Game Seven. And I don't know what the status of the third guy is there, but if they if they know they they conceivably could have all three for Game Seven, then you kind of just have to move all your chips to that side of the table, as opposed to risking one of those guys an additional injury by trying to win this game that they don't have to win. Man, oh man. It's uh, the thing that emer the emotion I would feel if I were on the Bucks or if I were on um 
the Jazz today is embarrassment. You lose to the, like, okay to lose to the Clippers. Not without Kawhi, though. I, Paul George was dynamite and KD dynamite on Wednesday. That makes me think, and then I have a question about a, a more negative uh, recollection from you and Eddie Spaghetti. Hello to you, Eddie Spaghetti, by the way. Uh, spaghetti and meatballs breaking down. What remains of the NHL postseason upcoming? Uh, stay tuned for that. Mikey Meatballs, our resident Islanders fan, on his way to uh, to the building to watch game three there. I've already told you the Lightning are going to win four straight. If you're listening to me on Friday, I hope you feel like uh, Dave's serving you well because we're halfway home if you're listening and the Lightning did, in fact, win game three. Um, Meatball's going there, our diehard Islanders fan. So best wishes to him with uh, with all of that. Um, but um, our, you know what? Bad hosting by uh, Damashek here too. Why did we start with a game that's going to be played the Bucks and the Nets, and by the time most people listen, the game will either be underway or already complete. All right, what's done is done. Again, we're not going to live life in the rearview mirror. We're gonna we're gonna look ahead here. I have many questions for you, but the question right now before hosts, we do uh, hosts is, choke too. Podcast hosts can choke too. This is this is a good lesson. You know it's what? The, That's right. What did, the what did we tell Charles Barkley 20, 30 years ago? Whether you want to be a role model or not, you are. And NBA superstars, I blame you for my failure on this day. Now, Dean, hey, I, get, I, get, I, get I know we focus on the Northeast. Go ahead, Spaghetti. Jump in. I was going to say, I, I, could help, I could help out the segment to make it not uh, to make it more evergreen. Uh, and you kind of referenced it a little bit with, the, with you know, KD or, or Nash limiting minutes. So you guys agree with that theory, the Reggie Miller theory of, like, benching guys in a game six to go to a game seven kind of healthier, kind of more well-rested? That's a philosophy that you would abide by in sports? You read the tea leaves as it's, as it's playing out, you know, but I don't think you, you know, you – go in saying you're going to play 48 minutes again. Uh, you know, and by the way, Durant is also rebuilt. Like he's also been put together with bubble gum and matchsticks and he's so thin, you know, uh, but I would say the difference between those three chokes that really marked an incredible uh, week in the NBA, uh, the Bucks were were waylaid by one of the greatest performances in NBA history. I mean, it's you're talking about an all-time great destroying you with a series of shots where you're like, well, what the fuck? The guy's coming off a screen 28 feet from the basket and it's contested and he buries it. Like I that's not that's not really choking, as opposed to what the Sixers and Jazz did. Sixers obviously the most spectacular choke in recent sports memory. But the Jazz had a slightly different kind of choke, which was a low-grade, game-long choke. Like, the, the second half, like, that game can't be close. Like, you don't replace Kawhi Leonard. All those minutes are being played by a vastly inferior player, and the Jazz are just tightening. They At one point, they were two for 21 from deep. Like, by the way, every once in a while, Joe Inglis looks exactly like what you think he should look like. He looks like he's in a fantasy camp. He's an insurance CEO who paid to play basketball. And then he goes to the basket. You're like, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen when a non-athlete goes up against Paul George. But most of the time that doesn't happen. He, he's, he's a very effective player. Anyway, so, so three spectacular flameouts, all very different. 
leading up to this next batch of games. And again, wait, wait, wait. I didn't say it's time yet. See, I'm still in the host chair. And I'll say this. I agree with you about what you're saying. It is weird, though. It really is. Guys are so fit. They're more fit than ever. And I think it is the explanation. I disagree with LeBron. And generally speaking, I reject the notion because it, it there, there, there's uh the, the paradox is, is that athletes of the 21st century have never been more fit um, and finely tuned. But I guess like the because I never know about cars. And so the only standing reference I have is Jaguars, the car Jaguars, which always when we were growing up, I remember being described as this is an elite engine and, and car, but it does need to go into the shop all the time um, kind of thing. But um, I think that. But back to, I, I do want to get back to the KD performance here. Um, but how is it possible that Sal brought up somebody who told him, an ex-athlete mentioned to him that like, hey, guys back then were just built differently. They were just, well, that doesn't, that really doesn't, that's not a sufficient explanation for why guys 30 years ago could play, could play three games in a row, three straight nights, but now guys break down, like too many games stuffed into a season, like, what? You're in better condition, but because of that, because they're so tuned up, I guess, those those harsh move physical movements they're making are more I don't know, they they rip a knee, they they tear an Achilles more well, easily. Hey, it's I don't an know. They, what, what sense does it make? You know, you'd be like, well, of course Donovan Bailey's more likely to tear his hamstring than I am. He's going a hundred miles an hour in a in a in a hundred meter dash. Um but I really, it, Sal and I were texting about this as it pertains to baseball pitchers, you know, and it's like, it's not like Bob Feller and Nolan Ryan threw 85. Like, I don't know what, I, it, it's like Tom Seaver and Steve Carlton were getting the ball every fourth day. It didn't, it didn't matter. And it, and it's not like they weren't throwing hard. So, I, you know, I was speculating in the baseball side of it. Is it, is it too many high leverage pitches too young? Like, is your, is there a, just a, you know, a miles on the tire or, or did, did guys play three sports? And so there was less specific mileage on certain areas, but no, this, I mean, I actually sort of appreciated LeBron's uh, concern because I was like, maybe at this level, you do need the healing time in order to gear up for the long season. So then um, what does that say is we always, the push and pull, as I always say, the kids, uh, spend too much time with recency bias, but we, but the olds spend too much time lionizing and genuflecting to, to, uh, 50, 80 years ago. Um, but yeah, like white, whitey Ford, is it the nature of the pitch? Is it the break, the, the, the nature of the breaking ball, Don Drysdale, or did he, or what, or did they need Tommy John surgery and just pitch through it. And people didn't know how to identify it back then. It's very weird. I don't know what what the explanation is for why guys get football makes sense. Bigger, faster, stronger. For sure. If you're running, if you're running a tick faster than guys were running 40 years ago, and the guy colliding with you is running a tick faster and he's way bigger, well, then it stands to reason that you would get hurt more frequently. Doesn't make sense in non-contact sports. Are they they're going harder? And maybe that is the thing. Maybe Sandy Koufax was pitching all those complete games, but he didn't bring he, he didn't put out maximum effort on every throw of the ball and and every movement that modern day athletes make is at full force or not at all. And that's why they're 
more inclined to pull hands. I don't know. It makes no sense. It's weird. It may, it really makes no sense. And it's not like, well, well, people are soft now. People are softer now. It's not, it's not an explanation. Intellectually, well, emotionally, spiritually, perhaps, but not physically. Poor Sal has now entered into this. Uh, you mentioned Pedro Martinez's incredible season, and uh, two baseball writers left him off the top 10 for MVP is why he wasn't the MVP. Wow. <laughs> You have your fucking card revoked immediately. What a hey, by the way, the other message. the guy, the I, I just feel like I have to jam it in when uh, starting pitchers are going to. The guy who is the most underappreciated, and I think we uh, underrated has now become an overused word. Um, but the most underrated Hall of Famer, which I know is a paradox in itself, but I'm I'm, I'm keen on identifying guys who even are celebrated but not celebrated enough, and that is. Randy Johnson, his, his five to six year run is in a non pitchers era, by the way, his numbers stack up with Sandy Koufax or anyone else you want to throw out there. And somehow when people start ranking like, raw, who's the best pitcher of the last half century? Well, obviously it's Roger Clements. Like where's what about Randy Johnson? Pedro Martinez deserves all the celebrations and Clemens does too, but make sure you find some time for, uh, for the big unit in there, by the way, also, I don't know how he got away an entire career with a nickname like that in politically correct society. Big unit. We just are going to go with that. Nobody's going to question it. I guarantee if you pull hitters that right-handed batters were not as bummed out to face the rocket and Pedro as left-handed batters were bummed out (laughs) to see the big unit. Oh, great. They, you know, the Randy Johnson flu, right? Coach, I don't think I can go today. I think I got to say, I remember John Crook in the the all-star game. But so my, my happy question for you, Hench, after uh, much ado out of my yap is uh, you mentioned the KD one. I love how things fit into history for you. Was that, where does that rank among the greatest individual postseason NBA performances you've seen? Well, you know, I was thinking as I was, was, as I was watching it happen, you know, obviously I don't have the, um, play-by-play memory of Walt Frazier dismantling Jerry West. Like, I mean, I, there is there are highlights and he he rips Jerry West. He takes the ball away from him a couple times and lays it in. And he finishes with 36 points and 19 assists in what will forever be known as the Willis Reed game because Willis Reed hits two elbow jumpers. Okay, that's the Walt Frazier game, you know? And so that one certainly uh, w- would rank up there. Um, Jordan... You know, if, if probably his six threes, you know, uh, but but what Durant see what Durant did, which what I think separates it and maybe we'll need to let it marinate to to feel where it really belongs. But Scottie Pippen wasn't waddling around like he was in a fucking old folks home in a bathrobe and slippers like Evan Durant is playing against James Harden and the Milwaukee Bucks. James Harden is a fucking liability. And Kevin Durant is like, I I got this in, in a way where everybody knows what's coming. It was weird when I saw him when he when he reached the triple double number, and I'm like, how does he have 10 assists? I didn't think the other guys had 10 baskets. What's going on? You know, I mean, I guess that, well, that's what distinguishes it. That he got the double digit assists amidst all that. There didn't appear to be very many other scoring options on the floor at any point. And yet, uh, yeah, that was one of the, my answer to that, by the way, is uh, in the garden uh, 63 by Jordan. I remember watching it live and being in awe of it because of the nature of the buckets that that was 
Jordan at his most physically dynamic. Like everything was a hanging triple clutch off the glass with two guys on him and everything, every bucket. And while I was thinking, same as you watching KD, I was thinking, man, it feels like he's scoring every time the Nets touch the ball in the second half. And yet it only amounted to 49, obviously not only, um, you know, is unnecessary, but like by comparison, Jordan got 63 and then I saw the Kobe game at 81 and I just, I can't imagine what, it, what must it have looked like that Will Chamberlain game. Now our pal, Mr. Mick Coley has submitted that that game never happened, that, that it was, <laughs> that it was manufactured to create some hype around um, the, you know, in the infant stages of pro basketball. It's an interesting theory. Spaghetti, how yeah. say you? I'm interested in your more limited view of uh since you started watching sports uh what three years ago when you turned yeah, 15 yeah or whatever you are not even three i think only uh two and change uh well actually what's funny about the durant game is that i think his does his is more pressure because one the nets are a super team and then they lost basically both of their other big big of the uh, big three and then you're playing like you said the mvp guy in Giannis who uh is an amazing player in his own right and then Duran is such an online guy where he's constantly on Twitter with his burners or whatever, and he, he reacts to fans. So if he came up short, uh, the amount of pressure on him, whereas if you look at a guy like Jordan, like Jordan didn't care about what people were said. Like the guy was, a, he was a gambler. There was no, you know, social media nonsense noise. So I think Duran, you know, getting his 49, his triple double and this, uh, and, and like the, you know, the, all the comments that would have like flooded him, I think really would have weighed on him. And the fact that he came, you know, and rose above that and had one of the greatest performances in this like modern era i think is pretty amazing and the I other mystique, you know about the curse is supposed to he's yeah. the guy who uh, there's no doubt they the nets have no chance if, unless that guy does it everybody knows exactly. it on both teams and right and he does it that's that's better to me than cinderella stories i love when the man shows why he's considered the man especially all the pushback katie's gotten on his career and legacy whether he cares about it or not and and i mean to me you know as somebody who thinks winning championships matters. Of course, that's why I think Julian Edelman belongs in the Hall of Fame, because I think it actually matters if you win the championship. That's why a game like Walt Frazier destroying Jerry West to win the championship uh, has to rank higher. Jordan 63 doesn't win that game. Doesn't win that game, okay? So the fact is, if Durant doesn't do exactly what he did, I don't think the Nets win this series, and obviously they don't win the series, they don't win the championship. Now we'll have to wait to see if they win the championship. If they do, then this performance gets elevated because this was the back to the wall, must win, Mm -hmm. must make all of these shots, (laughs) and he does. It's insane. Right, I'll add right. quickly. I don't. And we don't have to spend ultra uh, time on this because I know the game is later on today and we're recording now. But even like Fanduel and like the, how Vegas adjusted for his player props. Like you're not getting you're you're getting plus money uh, only when you go Durant to score forty plus points of plus two hundred five. Like the, his over under is like thirty five and a half for for the game later. It just shows you like that even Vegas like yeah this guy's an ice cold killer. He is the best right now in the game. Like he's going to score. He's going to dominate. It's just uh, it really is an all time performance. It's it's imperfect to have an incomplete player as your superstar, and it's also he's the MVP of the league. Giannis is limited. The more damn, as I say, deserves a little credit for knowing I am limited. If if James Harden sticks out his hand and fouls me as I try to take him to the rack here, and then I get put on the line, that's bad. The more damning thing for him, I, that's more on Coach Bud. To me, 
the more damning thing is Giannis, you're the guy. You got to be like, I got KD. I, I you know, I, I, it's time for me to lock him down. Shame the devil. Whatever I get offensively, if I fatigue myself, what the hell got went on there is inexplicable. And isn't it what what I love from this week is the express surprise from people who talk into microphones or write about sports for a living about like. Wow, does this improve Chris Paul's legacy? Yes, winning big games does improve your legacy. What are we talking about? It's nonsense. Now, that's uh, what we'll, hey, we'll wait to see quick, whether or not he's ready. The, real to quick on the Giannis thing, just real quick, just a public service thing. Um, hey, fuckface, if you're going to shoot 30% from the line, feel free to throw it up in one or two seconds. Like, what's the fucking difference? What I mean, Christ, <laughs> you're, taking, you're taking half an hour to miss a free throw. We've got lives. I want to get back to the hockey game. I don't want to watch you hang out as a fucking this tantric bolero buildup to your fucking brick. Go ahead. As soon as he hands it to you, whip it at the rim. What's the difference? You're going to miss. Just fucking throw it at the basket. Ben Simmons doesn't take any time to throw his bricks. He just whips them up there. Much more considerate, horrible foul shooter. Take a look at that, Giannis. Yeah, good point there. Thank you for that, Hench. Um... You want to go best bets? I also wanted to think about just to try to commiserate a little bit with uh, down in the dumps Philly fans. And by the way, Pittsburgh has company now at the top of the Sonic Award standings here. Philadelphia has a real shot at this thing with the Flyers missing the playoffs. The Sixers, if they blow this series after the after the regular season they had, Jalen Hurts is your reason for optimism. Yikes. Um, I think I just thought... I think I just saw on the ticker that Harper and Segura are both hurt for uh, the Phillies. It's a mess. We're uh, what, let's do our best bets, and then we fault. we have much to discuss here. Still, we have we, we're we're just so loaded for bear here. Let's do what we need to do. Um, best bets, Kevin Hench, you start us off. Okay, so I don't know. Like this, maybe this I have to hit rock bottom before I get some help, but. I still think the Sixers are going to win this series. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know I sound insane at this point, but I like the Sixers to force a game seven. And I think if they do, they'll figure out a way to close it out. But I, so I like the Sixers in game six. I know even as it comes out of my mouth, it sounds fucking insane, but they're so much better than the Hawks. It's crazy. It's crazy. By the way, the Hawks are missing a key member of their rotation. Like DeAndre Hunter is an important piece. Um, and, and Danny Green is not an important piece. Like, obviously, better to have Seth Curry taking those shots. Um, so I, I like the Sixers. I, I love the Sixers. What's not to love? They fucking suck and they choke. Why not bet on them? Why not throw more money away? God damn it. Um, and then uh, – you know, it's funny. You take you like the you like the lightning to win four straight. I I believe the Islanders reduce every hockey game to a coin flip. So if it's a coin flip, take take the plus, take the extra dough. Game four, I like the Islanders to win game four. With a, you'll make a little bit of money. You'll get a nice return on your coin flip. Like heads will be plus one thirty five, tails you know minus one one seventy one one eighty. I don't know. So, so bet the Islanders game four. And then this one, I love. Okay. And we'll get into the spider tack of it all. I don't know. Like, it's crazy. Instantaneous offensive explosion. Yesterday, Wednesday, 10 teams scored seven or more runs. Like, it, 
the pitchers not being allowed to cheat. I've never seen anything like this, by the way. Like you had to do a whole cycle of steroids. You know, like you didn't do, you didn't fucking do it. You didn't shoot yourself up and then hit three home runs the next day. Like there's a process to growing your body and building your bat speed. These motherfuckers are putting spider tack on and striking out 15, like, and then, and then complaining that they can't cheat. Like, Hey buddy, if you can <laughs> only throw it. That's the best part is the like, <laughs> what, what in hell are you doing? Major league front office. You're not letting me cheat. Not cool. Yeah, and if you can't throw a curveball without a foreign substance, then I don't. Maybe you shouldn't be in the major leagues. I don't know what to tell you, but so this this one lines up perfectly. Okay, the Red Sox pitching staff, the starting rotation has been in this slow motion implosion. Like they cannot get fifteen outs out of a starter. Like it is Martin Perez has regressed to the mean so quickly. Um, Garrett Richards garbage. Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, last seven starts, 0-4, 8.55 ERA. Um, Nick Pavetta finally returning to earth. So the Red Sox are in KC this weekend. And Kansas City also throwing Drek at the Red Sox. Hammer the over in all three games because I do not believe Vegas can adjust these lines fast enough. I believe that it, it's happening so fast. The run explosion is upon us, but you know, over underlines don't don't move overnight. Uh, so I feel like you're going to get value hammering the over, and I would say focus on the Red Sox shitty pitching staff going against the Royal shitty pitching staff. Hammer the overs all three days. Maybe that will make up for the fucking terrible picks I gave you last week. Well, I think that the last one especially is uh, is really uh, some sound logic you apply there. And by the way, I don't know if I said it uh, on minus three last week or if I said it to, to Sal, but either way, I'll say it again. Um, we now have to put all the steroid era guys that are being held out of the Hall of Fame currently in. It's untenable to to not allow that, to, to kind of sort of let it all go here in the spider tack era I know they're cracking down now, but it's it's not as severe as the 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 reaction from the sport has not been nearly as severe as what it was. Right. If I especially since they enabled it in in the 90s, I increase my bat speed by ingesting a foreign substance. Um, You increase your spin rate by applying a foreign substance like what's the. What's the cheating difference in those those two things? I don't I mean, look, Shaq, because you're a Pirates fan, we've been talking about those those ex-Pirates, you know, Charlie Morton, number one, going to Houston. I mean, Trevor Bauer explained how it works and how you increase spin rate. And he said, I could cheat, too. Here, watch me. I'm going to pitch an inning while cheating. Watch my spin rate improve. And so basically what we what we've learned is, uh, yeah, you you're, 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 if you're not cheating, you're not trying basically. Right. And, and so, I mean, now the difference is it's not like, I always felt bad for the guys who were like, I actually don't want to do steroids because I don't know what the long-term health implications will be. But in order to have a job in the big leagues, I have to do steroids. Now putting a little spider tack on is probably not going to, going to ruin your health long-term, but uh, still it's, it is nuts. And I mean, even the eight innings, the eight quality innings that Garrett Cole pitched, against the Blue Jays on uh, Wednesday, he had four strikeouts. I mean, eight innings for Garrett Cole is 15 strikeouts guaranteed. So, like, you're like, wow, 
that he went up against the free swinging Jays and got four Ks. Like, uh, this is nuts. This is a scandal. I guess, listen, I get it that if you're making $5 million, you feel like it'd be a lot better to make $25 million. But I don't think the the bonds effect of like, hey, Sosa and McGuire are getting too much attention when I'm better at baseball than them. Ergo, I must start to get on the juice so that I can show I'm still the best when everything's even. Steven, I mean, I have no beef whatsoever with guys who are borderline making those paychecks to set themselves and their families up for several generations. If you take a little juice, you put a little nonsense on the ball, you schmutz it up a little bit, and uh, lo and behold, now my family is set for the next 80 years. I think that's a fair trade-off to make. It's a little more morally or ethically dicey when you're Garrett Cole. You're already a multi-multi-millionaire. Do you need to do that stuff to be a high-end? But then again, I'm not close to the major league. So who am I to weigh in? I'll tell you this. I'm going to weigh in on these games upcoming here. Um, the thing that stands out to me again, who knows with these injuries in these NBA games, the only thing that stands out to me with the Sixers and Hawks is the total right now. It is two twenty-one and a half. I know it's not fun, but I think it's the smart play. I'm going under the last two in this series have gone well under that point total three of five in total. This series have gone under. I don't see any reason as things get tighter and tighter that scores are going to suddenly elevate. So I like the total and going under there. I wait, wait, you don't think, you don't think, uh, you don't think Ben Simmons is going to go 13 for 15 from the foul line. I think it's less than ideal when your second leading score uh, doesn't uh, doesn't make a basket in the second half of a big time playoff game. Ben Bad. Simmons, uh, Ben Simmons should shoot between fifty and sixty free throws a game. I mean, the Hawks have a bunch of guys who never play. All those guys should be in the game fouling out on Ben Simmons from the first possession. Like he he should not be able to touch the ball without going to the line. Like right, it's crazy. Right. It's exactly that's that is how you should play it. Hack a shack or whatever the equi- uh, equivalent of Simmons is. Come up with a cute rhyme on that spaghetti. In the meantime, I'll say this. I agree with Hench about after his bees were vanquished by the nearly skill free. And listen, I, you don't have to drop me a line, Islanders fan. I'm aware that you have a few talented players. Then again, I'd be a little bit raw that the coach gets all the credit for it when I'm a high-end goal scorer and I'm, people barely mention me, Matthew Barzell and beyond. But um, it, it, you made this point about the Bruins versus the Islanders, the Penguins versus the Islanders. What Islander would you take before you named five Bruins and five Penguins if you did a draft, just straight-up talent? They're going to do the expansion draft uh, for the Seattle Kraken. By the way, that name bothers me because there's only one Kraken. You know, you can't, what, you're going to name the whole team after one creature? It's already confusing to go singular with a name. Shouldn't it be Krakens? But there's only one Kraken to begin with. And Crack is opening up a whole world of, of bad jokes at your expense, Kraken. But what's done is done. Would, would Ronnie Francis, the GM, who'll be making these expansion draft picks, if, you, if the pool of players was everyone in the league, there would be at least five Bruins, there would be at least five Penguins, and there'd be at least... At least eight Tampa Bay Lightning drafted before any Islander gets picked. At some point, this has to matter. It does matter already. The the Lightning showed it in game two. I think they keep rolling. Let's say I'm wrong, though. Let's say that the Isles win game three. I'm going to apply a little hench logic from a week ago. I know that's uh, not a great source to go with, but... Then you know Tampa's going to win game four, right? You should be even more kind. There's no way 
the uh, the Tampa's going up uh, to the island and losing two of those games. So I'm looking at game four, bet the Lightning and live it up. Go a goal and a half because the Lightning will definitely be in near must-win territory there. And Braden Point and, like I mentioned, Barzell, both starting to pop. Their uh, names showing up on the scoring sheet pretty much every night now. However, Kucherov is the best player on the ice. Bet him two-plus assists in the game. I know the value isn't great, but you're sure to get a payout on that. Go with that. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? I'll stick with the hockey pick for my first uh, best bet, and I'm with Henge on this one. I could not be more against your pick, Shaq. I think that the Islanders, so, you know, in game two, there was obviously that. against it. Congratulations. Uh, You don't get to root for all New York hockey teams, Spaghetti. I'm not rooting. Look, I'm not rooting for it. I'm just trying to tell people how to make some money. That's all I'm trying to do here, founder.com slash minus three. But they, uh, in game two, too many men on the ice, which is not a reviewable call by the NHL. Obviously, Barry Trotz is showing them and the staff, they're showing the the refs, the eye pad saying you know there's too many guys they missed it even Tampa Bay uh Cooper their head coach uh, admitted they missed it too hockey players have more of like this goldfish mentality where they're going to forget that they'll come back and they'll have a strong showing in game three obviously I want to put the bet for for game four so whatever happens in game three I just don't see the Islanders losing they're not losing two games in National Coliseum and I love them the them getting plus goal and a half because they're not a team that's going to get blown out like they're not one of these offensive minded teams that'll you know they'll beat you seven nothing and if they don't score any goals like they're out of it they have a bunch of guys who you know yes they may not be taken number one overall in expansion draft but they played you know the full 200 foot game and they're always going to grind you out they're going to finish their checks and they're really well coached by Barry Trotz like they're they're a team that's going to be in it so them getting a goal and a half for game four I love uh, and I do think the home uh, ice advantage does matter especially with a guy like Vasilevsky who was kind of shaky in the beginnings of both games if they get an early kind of garbage goal on him the crowd gets on its case I could see that being really the difference and I know that there was uh, they're now called they're now called Islander goals by the way they're not called garbage goals anymore. They're called Islander goals because they all go off a fucking skate. They all hit three guys before they go in. That's that's great. Somebody in the left buttock to a skate uh, of a teammate off the shaft of a stick and perhaps a wiener and then in. Uh, and there also was the the goalie switcheroo in game two because of uh, I think the concussion specialists were checking in on Sorokin with him and Verlamov. Either way, they'll they'll be more uh, stable at, at the position in, in game four. So I like the Islanders in that. And also, you want to throw it like to them to win the series right now. Them to win the series, the Islanders at plus one sixty two. If they win game three, it's going to change. So I, I think hop on that now because I still like them. I actually like them coming out of this up three games to one. So that's just my pick for there. And now to go over the NBA, my pick for the, the Sixers Hawks series. I've been on the Sixers the entire time, but I'm finally going to jump off that bandwagon. So I'm going to go with them um, to, to play the Hawks are getting three points at home to win that game and close the series. And another player prop that I like, and you guys feel free to, to laugh at me, but my thought process is this. Joel Embiid is absolutely destroying them and they're still losing games. They're going to throw everything they can at Joel Embiid to stop him. That leaves Ben Simmons, you know, Doc Rivers is going to tell him you have to do something offensively. You cannot be attempting only four field goals in the entire game if you're going to miss all your free throws. Uh, The player prop for Ben Simmons. Let me just give you this great stat. Incredible stat. Uh, Simmons texted me. Ben Simmons became the – Ben Simmons, not Bill Simmons, texted me about Ben Simmons, about another Ben. Ben Simmons, second player in NBA history – to miss 10 free throws in a game, in a playoff game, in which he did not score double-figured points. Ben Wallace was the only previous 
uh, guy to do that. The, the previous hack of Ben. That's hard to do, though, to miss 10 free throws. You're like, you're going to the line a lot. You're involved. It's like, no, he's not involved at all. He never shoots and he misses 10 free throws. But go ahead, Spaghetti. I can't wait to hear. This is going to be, uh, it really is weird, the the anomalous, t- whoever wins this title. Like, they're going to be up there with that ought four Pistons team and uh, a few other weirdo ones that stand out that diminish the sport on some level. I'm sorry, Spaghetti. Go ahead. No, I, I you know, and I, like I was saying, Embiid, you know, Seth Curry, they're scoring all these points. Like, that's not, that formula's not working. Doc Rivers like, hey, our backs are against the wall. Ben, you got to do something here. You got to score points. You got to shoot the ball. There's a player prop for uh, Ben Simmons to score 15 points or more. Is that plus 112? I I like that. Uh, he had I think eight points last game, and that's with barely shooting the basketball. So I think this kind of changes everything going forward because obviously it's a, a, a winner go home, and they're gonna lose this game to the Hawks. And I, but I still think Ben Simmons is gonna get over 15 points. I mean he's clearly capable of it. He's a great player, just just refuses to shoot. But this will end. The whole 76ers, you know, trust the process thing, because obviously they're proving right now this cannot work. I think they'll probably fire Doc Rivers because it seems like first year head coaches are getting fired left and right in the NBA. And Dal Morey will figure out a new way to fix this team. So my pick I do is like, I, I like I the Hawks like and I that, like the 15 points. I like that part of your logic behind this bet is that Doc Rivers is going to figure something out. That Doc Rivers is going to say, hey, guys, do something different. It's a guy that stood there with his thumb up his ass for the entire fucking time, a 26-point lead evaporated. Doc Rivers, it was such a great night for Doc Rivers because he he oversees one of the epic – I mean, this guy, look at his record. Look at his career. Look at the teams he's had. Look at the talent he's had. Look at the times he's had the more talented team in a playoff series – up three games to one, loses the series. So he he oversees a 26-point collapse. That there's no discernible change. They don't do anything different. He's just like looking at his watch, hoping the clock runs out. Like he doesn't – and then his post-game press conferences are like – he'll go like, hey, man, they scored 40 in the fourth. We only scored 19. Can't have it. <laughs> Great analysis, Doc. Thank Blue you. Blue okay. says, hey, but you know what? If we would have scored two or three more baskets yeah. in the late stages, then we would have won the game. You got to convert. Like, well, you, you know what? Convert. No lies Jesus told, what? Coach. Well done. Hey, what's your doctorate in? Because it's not basketball. So, so Doc, just a fucking epic coaching fail, 26-point uh, lead. Then to just to fucking t- top it off, Ty Lu with the probably the greatest win in Clippers history. I'm telling you, to the stomach punch of losing by far your best player, the best player in the playoffs, and to whatever Ty Lu does or says, a team that has to be psychologically rattled to go in and fire on all cylinders like that, play with confidence, Reggie Jackson burying threes. I was just, it was amazing. So it was like, Ty Lue doing more with less in Clipperland while Doc flames out in Philly. Uh, and look, I like the guy. He's a good guy. But he's a shitty basketball coach. I think that's it really well is established. True. You, you, listen, it, it, you ain't wrong. And um, it had to hurt extra just to just to make it a little bit worse. 
when I think of Doc Rivers, the player, I think of him wearing that Dominique era Hawks uniform. So that was the, the uniform he was watching devastate his current team. But yeah, you're exactly right. I asked Brian Erlacher that the summer after he retired um, from the Bears. I said, yeah, you want him to be good because you have friends on him, but you don't want him to like do better this year without you, right? And he's like, no, of course I don't. Like, it would be terrible if they went to the Super Bowl without me. Imagine how Doc Rivers must feel. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Like, I feel, I really do. I know they're all multimillionaires, so I can only feel so bad for them. But Mark Jackson, I same, same effect. Like, Steve Kerr had the same pieces as you. What's the excuse, Mark Jackson? Like, why do you deserve another shot at this? You're another swell fellow who's delightful to listen to, but I'm not positive you're a great coach based on the results after you left. Well, we're talking about it, Spaghetti, so this shouldn't surprise you. The playoffs are still here, but not for much longer. You will get to Hoops Heaven, though, if you bet all your action at FanDuel Sportsbook. So many good matchups still out there. And here's some great news. New and existing users, in other words, all customers, can bet risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have your FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet same-game parlays risk-free every week. That means you combine, can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win. And if you don't win, you still get up to $10 back. I love FanDuel Sportsbook, easy to use. And like I say, same game parlays are a lot of fun to uh, to roll with here. And I know Sixers fans might feel a little down in the dumps after what happened on Wednesday night, but Eddie Spaghetti's here to provide you with the same game parlay that'll put that, that'll turn your frown upside down. Is that right, Eddie Spaghetti? That is right, and I'm going to stick with my prediction of the Atlanta Hawks uh, winning this game. I let the Hawks. Well, that's not going to put three. a smile on Sixers fans' face. Although they like and, to complain, so maybe it will. Well, what's going to happen is they're going to. It's going to be the end of the. This is my prediction. It's the end of this era. It's the end of the trust the process era. So, like I said, Hawks plus three. They're going to win this game. What I do like in this game, what's going to be absolutely hysterical, is obviously everyone's crushing Ben Simmons now for not scoring enough points, not doing his job, while Joel Embiid is doing everything for the 76ers. What I do like in this game is Ben Simmons over 13.5 points and Ben Simmons over 8.5 assists. He had 9 assists last game. I just really, really trust that that they're going to throw everything they can. The Hawks said is at Joel Embiid. He's still going to get his. not going to be one of those like monster upper 30 you know point games for him. So that's why I think everything's going to run through Simmons he is talented he's just not putting up the shots he'll get over 13 and a half points he'll have his dishes to Embiid to Tobias Harris so I like him over nine Seth Curry as well and like I said it's going to be uh, a Hawks victory here no one's going to remember this game for Ben Simmons it's going to be a, a, a sad kind of ending to this current 76ers team and uh, they're going to move on and advance the next round of the uh, NBA playoffs it occurs to me the NBA play, uh, finals are always done by the end of June. This is uh, a unique spot that we're looking more and more like we're going to miss out on. The 76ers, named after, you know, in 1976 around the spirit of 70, they're not, they could conceivably win a humongous game, their biggest game since 1983, at least, you would think, on July 4th. Too bad. They're not going to get that opportunity. Oh, well, make a little money in the meantime by following Spaghetti's lead there. All right, listen, we've gone so long already, and I feel like we've barely started. I do want to ask one. I, I have a bunch of different things I want to talk about here, Hench. Go ahead. If you have something you want to well, talk about. I just I want to say one Go quick ahead. thing. You know, even though none of us want it, an Islanders-Canadians final could give us the first eight-overtime scoreless game where we just wait breathlessly for a puck that's going wide of the net to carom in off of a skate 
for a thriller, a thrilling 1-0. Like, the Islanders and Canadians could play an entire game in the neutral zone. Like, <laughs> I, it's like, it, it is, they're both so shittily suffocating. Like, it is, you know, I've, been, I've watched so much Islander hockey, obviously, with my Bruins. I watched your pens flame out. But, like, it's not... You know, usually go like, guys, just go up the boards. Like, don't try to don't try to pass out of the zone anywhere in the middle of the ice. But the Islanders, like, they do play free safety in a way like it's hard to make a breakout pass against that team. Like, you just don't see tape to tape to tape breakouts against the Islanders. Like, it's all it's all breaking up passes. It's constant inner fucking junky interference. There's no flow whatsoever. And uh, and so, like, I mean, the Canadians are doing the same thing by the way 115 degrees in vegas on wednesday great hockey weather great i know but i you've weather. heard my pushback on that i think it's i also think it's kind of neat and when i'm wrong i say i'm wrong and i was wrong about gary bettman's attempt to expand the sport it worked in the sun belt these are not hockey towns people are showing up although it is funny when the lightning score a goal about half of the attending crowd stands up to cheer these are playoff games. You got to like the best thing about hockey live or even on TV is when the goal goes in is that collective moment of like, oh, what? everybody rising up in uh, in uh, Tampa. It's more like, did that one go in? It, oh, it's in. It really literally looks like that. It's terrible. So that team you can't root for. Can't root for the Islanders because of our Patrick division. Um History, not yours, but uh, they've beaten you, so that's reason to not root. Vegas, I can't root for. They've barely been in the league a minute. The flower gives me a reason to root for them, but otherwise, nothing to like there. And the Habs, it is a great thing that the Canadians as an organization um, are older than the city of Las Vegas is a great is a, <laughs> is great. But the Habs' presence does not mean that this is this is working out okay. People seem to think like. Can't be bad if the Blue Blanque Rouge are still in it, right? They're the best hockey team. Nobody cares about me getting in the Wayback Machine. Maybe Hench a little, little tiny bit. But as a reminder, you want to talk about fraudulent titles. The Habs won 10 cups in the 25 years of the big six era, of the original six era, when there were five other teams and two rounds. They're the most fraudulent of all titles. When people point to those, like, well, they're the best team of all time. Like, yeah, 10 of their cups came against nonsense, came against rubbish. If we skated out there, we would have a chance of having won a couple of cups too in that era. Um, it's terrible. But here's my question for you very quickly, Hench, because uh, who will care in a week? I doubt you care much now. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes sharing the Madden video game cover. Does this create double opportunity for jinx? And in a larger sense, you know, curse of the Bambino and all that, you're, you're an educated man. You're a learned man. You're not, uh, you, you don't present over 20 years of knowing you as somebody who's swayed by hocus pocus. But then again, you are a Boston sports fan. Do you believe in jinxes? Scale of one to 10. How big is your belief in a jinx? Well, I think jinxes manifest, I mean, not like a cover jinx or a, you know, Madden injury jinx, but like when, when you feel like your team is cursed and that belief seeps into the fan base and the way the team is covered, I definitely mm-hmm. think it's real. It's definitely real. Like when you, and it was part of why the idiots, the, the 2004 Red Sox were inured to that kind of superstition, like Manny Ramirez doesn't know what you're talking about. 
He he doesn't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> 1918 means nothing to him. That was his address in Washington so Heights, in the right. Bronx. You know, so so guys, you know, like proud illiterates like Johnny Damon are not going to be overly. They're not going to be in their heads. They weren't in their heads studying algebra. These guys have never been in their heads. They're like not overthinking it. So the the idiots, the the self proclaimed idiots, were the cure for the curse of the Bambino. But I definitely think that that curses creep in because players are aware of them, unless they're they're just you know t- too checked out to know. Um, but like something like the Madden curse. I mean, what you know, Brady. Like at some point, Brady's career is going to end. Like there's, he can't really be jinxed at this point. Like it's, you know, I guess Mahomes could have another catastrophic injury. He had a pretty bad injury a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, I, you know, that feels like a, a safe pairing to to thwart the the curse. Um, one of those guys is probably going to be in the Super Bowl for sure. It is a great point you make, but the, even the, among the guys who don't care, like I don't, I wasn't here 38 years ago. What do I care what happened when uh, when um, Bucky Dent hit that home run? Well, it means nothing to me. Um, but what it does produce at minimum is they get angry having to ask about it. Stop asking yeah. me about what happened before I was alive kind of stuff. At yeah. least Dan Shaughnessy is going to make sure you know. Dan Shaughnessy – Dan Shaughnessy is going to teach you to read just so you can know to choke what matters. To your point, the 2004 Red Sox were so loaded up on steroids, they couldn't concentrate on uh, on, uh, history at all. So that uh, that worked out for you. All right, listen, a gay time as ever with you, Kevin Hedge. And good news, listener, he's going to step aside. And now it is time for a playoff edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. Here they come. Eddie and Mikey breaking down the few teams that remain in this NHL season, plus a brand new coach for the New York Blue Shirts. All right, we're back. Another exciting edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. We're almost there, almost at cup time. But first of all, Meatballs, uh, you're you're going to the game tonight. We're recording this now. It's 9.50 Pacific. Uh, you're going to the Islanders game. It's game three tonight at the Coliseum, but you're wearing a uh, Anaheim Ducks jersey. It's a little confused there, but... So you got you somehow pulled off some tickets. What I'm reading, the Coliseum, like they don't really sell out. I mean, fans don't want to go, and you got cheap tickets. Was uh, well, first before we start, I'll say I'm wearing a Ducks jersey because there was a question last week on if anyone knows any exist? Ducks fans. Do they yeah. exist? In they do exist. The timeline, yeah, yeah. They have beautiful jerseys like these. Paul Cree on the back there. So uh, yeah, that's a start for there. But for the other game. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you heard that people don't want to go, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think it will be a packed house tonight. It will be ninety nine percent capacity, and I'm looking forward to it. The more important news, more so uh, important than the Islanders series, is the Rangers hired Gerard Gallant as head coach for your deal. We kind of saw this coming. It was a long time coming. He was one of the few guys that was in the, the mix for it. I know, like Ritakit was a name. Uh, a few other guys, people were joking around with torts. I know we did in this pod, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, thank Jesus it was not uh, Tortorella or uh, Mike Babcock coming there. But Gerard Gallant, you know, he won the uh, the Jack Adams Award uh, with Vegas when was that 2018? In their first year, so. their mm-hmm. inaugural year, and they went to the Cup Finals. He was let go, and obviously Vegas now back in the the Final Four with Peter DeBoer. 
but it, it's just inc- it's crazy how the coaching you know the, the carousel works, especially in in hockey where it's it's basically always retreads no matter what. But yeah, but Gallant's a guy who's very successful, and he just recently brought Team Canada, who was like down 0-3, and he brought him back to the gold medal and won that in the uh, the IIHF World Championships. So he's been in kind of a, a hot streak, at least in, in coaching, and he's a guy that seems every player loves him. I know a lot of Vegas players have come out and said they they love playing for him and uh, that he's a, he's a great guy, and obviously he took that team, a bunch of like cast-offs from other NHL franchises and brought them to the Cup Finals, and he's a guy that – uh, with the Rangers, with a young team, uh, where, where they now know there's this ultra pressure situation of like your your owner James Dolan is saying you have to make the playoffs because we just saw what happened. If they didn't, they fired their front office, they fired their head coach David Quinn. So the players now are like, oh crap, like we really need to make the playoffs. So he's a guy that maybe could take him to the next level. We'll see. Uh, I feel pretty good about the Rangers. We don't have to spend too much time in this, but I think that being said, I, I was definitely disappointed in the firings that, that happened because I thought the Rangers were going in the right direction. There's no reason to shake it up. I don't own the team, so it is what it is. But I will say, Gallant, bring him in. I think it's a good it's a good move for them. I know Parlay Kid said on Against the Odds he liked the move as well. People in the hockey community seem to like the move. I like the move. That's that's really where I stand right now. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fine. I don't really have a I don't have too many thoughts on it, other than the yeah. fact that he hasn't been a coach on a team. I think for more than three years at a time. So I guess in 2024 we'll be having this conversation again on uh who the next new york well, he's, coach is. yeah because he's he's won so many uh cops and they got bored and they're like let's have someone else come in and, and win with the rangers that makes sense but, yeah but uh we'll move on to your the, to the main event here so we already said you're going to the game tonight it's uh game three game number one in the coliseum uh, the islands have been very very good there the crowd's Apparently they're loud, louder than any other, you know, fans ever, anywhere. The loudest stadium. Uh, apparently, you know, we're we're learning this. This is all news to me. But you're not going to give much. And are you even? Wait, are you even going to? Cla- are you going to like clap or cheer tonight when you're in the at the game or no? I'm stone cold the whole time. I just sit quietly, hands sit quietly, enjoy the game. I know Dave has said. He thinks the Lightning are going to win four straight and win this series in five. I don't see that happening. I can't see the series going less than six. That being said, I do feel pretty good about games three and four upcoming in the Coliseum. And game two was kind of, you know, a lot of talk about the missed call, the the, the too many men on the ice, which cannot be reviewed by the NHL. Barry Trotz and the, the rest of the staff were literally grabbing their iPad, showing the refs they missed. You know, the Lightning had too many men on the ice. They go and score the second goal. And I believe they scored the third goal too, right? So it was 3-1 mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but so that kind of ruined the game two feel. But I do feel pretty good about the Islanders in game three and game four in the Coliseum. I'm sure you do as well, right? Yeah, I do. And just to go back on that, that missed uh, too many men on the ice call, I, it made up for it with the the Braden Point uh, penalty. I don't think that was a, a penalty on uh, Tampa Bay. So I feel we're even in that aspect. Hopefully, I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking that the officiating is, was bad last game too in terms of what was going on. I just kind of felt like they were all over the place. So hopefully they clean that up. But um there's no excuses with the refs. You just, you got to get it done either way. So I know I won't be looking for, for calls. Won't be, you know, hoping that we catch a break here or there. You just got to go out and dominate them. But uh, yeah, as far as game three and four, I, I do feel pretty confident. I, I think most Islander fans do. Um, this is kind of how it's played out so far in the, this, the, uh, the playoffs for the Islanders. You know, you split 
away and hopefully we ch- turn things around here and we, we can take two at home because if you can take two at home go up 3-1 uh, and you still have one more game with the Coliseum it's going to be a big difference right and uh, I'm glad you brought that up so if, if you guys come out of this up 3-1 uh, right now <clears throat> our friends at FanDuel.com slash minus 3 they have the owners right now plus 162 to win the series versus the landing I think you guys are a plus 500 on FanDuel to win the cup Obviously, if you guys win tonight, the Islanders win tonight, and they win Game Four, that that's going to move dramatically. So right now is a chance to hop on. If you're listening to us, hop on the Islanders plus one sixty two to win this series because I still think they are going to win this series. Like you said, they they took one in Tampa. Now you have two at home in the Coliseum, and I will give you credit that the the home ice advantage in the in New York is a lot greater than what's going on in Tampa. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely think it's going to be crazy. And like we've seen it, we said it time and time again, the Islanders make you play the style that they want you to play and they will dominate those games. Uh, I'm not saying this will go five games for the Isles. I still think it's going to be a six, seven-game series, but right now you got to feel pretty good about that, and I would jump on the Islanders plus 162. Are there any other bets you want to throw? I know you throw out a couple and against all odds. Are there any other props you like for the for games three, four? Like what, are, what Islanders players do you see exploding the next two games? Um, I do like Everly. I, I, I think he's plus uh, 310 to have a goal. Um I do like. I feel like with that that first line has been playing really well, and they're they're very close on on getting one. I know Barzal has been getting them, but I think you'll find Everly getting one. And I know this is a long shot too, but I kind of like it at plus six forty or six fifty. Leo Komarov to have a goal. I feel like in yeah, one of these like games, goal up front or something like yes, that. I feel like in one of these, like he's he's been very. I, it makes you realize how good honestly he was at, at getting these these rebounds right. in front of the net and the tip-ins and deflections. But Kamarov has been close a few times on tapping one in, just missing. So I feel like eventually he's going to just tip one in or just get some some garbage goal, and you're like, oh my god, Leo Kamarov scored. And I'll tell you one thing: if Leo Kamarov scores a goal, they are not losing the game. They will not lose the game if Leo Kamarov scores a goal. I mean, without Anders, people like the minute he was injured, it's like, oh, this is it. This is it for the Islanders. Like, you know, no Anders Lee. That's it. They can't recover from that. And think about how crazy it is, like in the NBA, where a star player is down. It's like that team is out. Every single team mm-hmm. that lost a star player is pretty much out. And Islanders lost him, and there's, you know, they're right in the thick of it. Uh, so I, that's, I mean, really, it goes back to Barry Trotz being an amazing coach and, and also how they built this team that they can kind of withstand that. And the other point, too, is the, you know, if they get a couple goals from a guy like Leo Komarov and you don't expect that, they're going to win this game. The Islanders are getting the goal and a half at home. And well, if they win game three tonight, I'm not sure. I mean, do you think it'll be, if it stays the same game four, I, I, in, ter- in terms of betting on the game itself, if they're getting a goal and a half, these are going to be tight games. Really yeah, in, in the Coliseum, I, I love the Islanders getting a goal and a half in the. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Vegas just keeps making the Islanders the underdog, and they I think they'll be the underdog the rest of the way, whether they win or lose. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you figure they win, it's going to be a Tampa. They have it's a must win for Tampa, and then if you, uh, you know, if they lose, you figure out oh, Tampa's a better team. We're just going to make the Islanders the underdog again. So yeah. it's it's free money almost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't see these games being like a, a three four you know goal difference like final no. four. I think it's to be a, a really really close game. And I will say uh, one thing that hockey players in general are good at. So like we talked about the missed calls by the refs, they're pretty good at having like the the goldfish memory where you forget what's going on. The next thing you come back out and they and they you know play like nothing mattered. Yeah. Whereas in the NBA we're seeing now with the the 76ers blowing the lead like that, and you could think about coming back in the next game. 
there's just no way I think they're going to be mentally prepared to beat the Hawks. Whereas the Islanders kind of not that they got robbed because, but but it was a it was a missed call where even you know Cooper and the, the Lightning head coach even admitted, yeah, it was a bad call. I could definitely see the Lightning come back out, like not even I mean the Islanders come back out, not even being phased by that and and win Game Three. And then like I said, now you have Game Four at home, and then the the Lightning's like their their backs are against the wall. So I really think this the tonight's game, Game Three, is really going to turn the tides. But that being said, even if the Lightning do win Game Three, it's two one. Like I said, they have the Game Four at home to even mm-hmm. this thing back up, and they've already stolen a game in, in Tampa. So I think your Islanders are in really really good position right now. Then obviously if they do advance, they have to play either the Montreal Canadiens or the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that series now tied at one one. Any other uh, updates or thoughts on that one, or who would you right now in this stage after watching those two games rather play? I don't know. I you almost you would think the easy answer would be Montreal. I but, would agree, but then they scare you because why do they win so many games? And yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird, you know, with Carey Price and stuff. Like if he just gets hot, he's usually on. Uh, but I mean, you can say say the same thing about Flurry, who's on all the time, pretty much. So I know the the Canadians have had some veterans who've been playing really well, like you know Corey Perry there, and um, you know just a bunch of those guys, uh, and you know Caulfield, Suzuki too, looking really good for the young guys. So, but then, but like you go back to the, the Knights and Mark Stone, you know, is just a dominant player and Pacioretty is there and Martinez and, and Tuck and Carlson, Petrangelo. Yeah. So either way, I'll take it. I, it doesn't matter to me. We got to get there first. A classic meatballs line. Got to get there first. <laughs> if the Islanders can score first or score early and the crowd gets going and they can get on Vasilevsky, I think that's going to make a difference. Um, as good as he is, I said this a week or two ago too. He has had some moments where he's let in a few, few shaky ones, and I even think in game one, um, the Barzell goal was not was not great that he gave up. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think that crowd's really going to play a factor on whether or not he is, you know, can really feel it, and that, it could cause some trouble. I'm telling you, it's it's. I've said it before. It is a nightmare for opposing goalies. Jari. Will not never be the same. Rask is feel was feeling it definitely. So we'll see what happens. Well, you heard it, Islanders. Listen, clip this off. Listen to it. Pepper Vasilevsky early. A goal will slip in. The crowd will get to him. That's keys to victory. I always got to score first. The insight from Mikey Meals. I finally got him to say something about the game. All right, good stuff. Spaghetti and meatballs. And I may despise the New York Islanders, but nevertheless, have a great time there in the building. Mikey Meatballs and uh, everybody enjoy your weekend, especially if you're a father out there. We'll be back after the weekend to break it all down for you. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.